0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. (sighs) Delicious. Today is Monday, July 13th. Almost to the middle of July already, huh? Looking at this one plant. If you are getting enough water. I also need to fill up a few things with water, but I'll wait and do that. Um, like the one of the bird baths is almost empty, but I won't do that while you guys are listening. Ah instead I shall sit. So here we are on Monday. I am planning to dig into Uh, More on the promised queen today. Oh, and you definitely need water. Yep, I might not be able to stand it, you guys. (laughs) It's been hot. We had a very hot weekend. I understand the hot is coming the way... Oh, well, don't do that, Jeffy. Like, knock over another plant in my enthusiasm there. Oh, Okay. Clearly, this thing just needs to be a little bit more this direction, so that this guy can get his water too. And I'm mangling this plant. That's why I shouldn't do these things while I'm there. Maybe I'll move this one. Okay, move the hose onto this side of the plant. There we go. So, yeah, very hot for us. Uh, I think we got to 98 one day, which is pretty much record high temperatures for us. I'm sorry, little plant, that I mangled you. All right. (sighs) Now I'll sit still. I'll attempt to sit still. So, we've been pouring water on the plants, is the upshot. Um, It's unusual for us to get that hot. Um, I don't know if it was record-breaking temperature or not, but Santa Fe doesn't get up into the 90s all that often. And when we do, it's like 94 is high. So inching up towards 100 is very high for us, even though it's a dry heat. (laughs) So on Friday, I ended up... Tapping out on Dark Wizard. Um, I know I've talked about this many times, but it's a subject of interest to me still, hopefully to you, (laughs) that part of developing your chops as a writer or maybe developing your ability as a career writer is knowing when you need to hold your own creative feet to the fire and you know get those words down the laying of the bricks the pushing forward chipping through the wall and when you're simply tapped out and it's time to back away from it and let it sit so for whatever reason on friday i was just feeling pretty much fried I thought I was going to work on Dark Wizard, and I do think this is key, is I did go to Dark Wizard, and I opened it, and I looked at it, and I was ready to work on it. I was ready to lay down words, and I just came up empty. There was nothing there. And I think I mentioned that I had already written like 12,500 words last week. And I'm still working my way back up to 3,000 words a day, five days a week. So that was the highest word count week for me for several months. Um, since, um, I don't know, it doesn't matter, April, something like that. For whatever reason, mostly because I've been doing like various, um, I've been doing a little bit of shorter things since I finished Lost Princess and Editing and that sort of thing. So anyway, I just thought, okay, Dark Wizard can sit now. Because I had to move over to Promised Queen anyway. It was no big deal. So I went to Promised Queen and Jenny, editor Jenny, gives me a Word document and track changes. And she had marked places. I've mentioned previously that she wants me to cut... Um, add a bit to the end and cut a bit from the beginning. So what I did was I went through and got the low-hanging fruit, which is apparently a metaphor that not everybody knows. The low-hanging fruit is like the easy stuff to get. You don't have to get out the ladders. You don't have to climb the tree. You don't have to (laughs) really strain. You just pluck the low-hanging fruit, right? I don't know why I know this metaphor and other people don't. But people have looked at me quizzically when I've said it. So basically what I did was I bounced through track changes, just going through from one to the next and accepting her changes or making the easy fixes. And she had a number of places where she um, said, I think this exchange could be cut. And they were things that I thought were really funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they amused me. So they were arguably just me indulging myself. And I just decided anywhere that she suggested I, you know, like she had a discrete section. And usually it was, you know, like 150 words at a time, something like that. When she said, I think this could be cut, I just went ahead and cut it and put it in my outtakes document. So that way I could come back. It's not gone forever. I might post some. There was one in particular I thought I'd post to Facebook. I might do that today just because I think it's funny and I don't want it to die, but it really doesn't add anything else. So doing that, going through and making her suggested cuts and rewording in a couple of places. Um, I went through the whole thing on Friday and it only took me a few hours and it was about the right level of mental acuity that I needed. And um and I ended up cutting um, like 1,500 words just by that. So that's good because I think what I told you all was that I was at something like 118K. She wants it down to like 112 to 115. And now it's it's below 117. It's like 116 something. So it's definitely getting in range. And she did have some longer sections marked where she said, I think this could be Condensed. Um, or trimmed, and so I didn't touch those yet. I thought, well, I'll wait until I'm fresh on Monday and tackle those then. So that's what I'm going to start doing today, is I'm going to start going through and trimming, condensing, and cutting. Um, she does have one big thing for the first part where she thought, uh, I'm not even going to be able to reproduce it faithfully, but it was in her edit letter where she thought that something could happen much sooner and that I could move it up and that I think she said like chapter four would be a good place for that to happen. So I might have to go in and look and see what um, what it would take to do that. That's when you have to start moving the puzzle pieces around, you know. It's not that I doubt her. I think that She's probably absolutely right. And, in fact, one of the scenes that she said she thought could be condensed was one I had considered cutting entirely. And then I thought, well, well, it's a little bit of character development that's important. But she wants me to keep the character development, but just sort of cut to the chase, as it were. Do you guys know what? cut to the chase comes from. <laughs> Have I talked about that before? It's a it's a movie metaphor where it's basically just cut to the chase scene. Um, so you just quit with whatever thing is going on that's taking too long and cut right to the action. Cut to the chase. I believe that to be true. Um, Leslie Penelope, if she's listening knows much more about movies, and she could probably tell me if I'm wrong. So it was amusing on Sunday, I, (laughs) for the SFF7 blog post, the topic was on that very thing that I talked about on the July 2nd podcast, where I was talking about the idea eggs and how do you capture ideas, and I thought, well, because I'd mentioned on that very podcast that I wanted to possibly transcribe it. So I could recapture all the things that I had babbled on about, that I had discovered as I was speaking, talking for discovery, as opposed to writing for discovery. So I did, and I used that Otter AI, which the, the Frolic Media Podcast Network people had suggested, and that was fun. Um, it worked very well. It's, it uses an AI, and it was considerably better Uh, than the other transcription that I had used. Uh, And now this, what is going on here? Oh, that's a beetle. Beetle has got his head up, butt up, head down, butt up. What are you doing? I guess he's just doing his defensive posture. Kind of looks like he's got his head buried in the plant. In the soil. So the AI transcription worked well. It was considerably easier than the other transcription stuff um, that I had tried. I still spent a fair amount of time editing, although I didn't track it since I wasn't experimenting in the same way. I probably should have tracked my time, but I think it still took way too long to transcribe for me to do it regularly because of the editing. And also, I just, I don't talk as well (laughs) as I write. Um, There are all of these ums, and there are pauses, and there are me. I add so many parenthetical phrases just like that, and it's really irritating to try to edited out. And I don't know, maybe people who read transcriptions are accustomed to that sort of conversational non sequitur. But it annoys me when I go to edit it. But the interesting discovery from doing this was that that 20-minute podcast was a little shy of 2,400 words. And I thought, well, huh. That's interesting that I talked basically not quite my daily word count, but pretty damn close. So I'm not sure what to make of that. You know, a lot of people like the um, dictation for writing and people will jump right to that. I'm not inclined to disrupt my process. That's one of the things about owning your process. You know, discovering what your process is and owning it is also protecting your process. And I think people don't always honor that because I think there's a few things going on there. See, that's one of those things that doesn't translate well when you edit. Now I'm really aware of that when I decide to back up and reframe. There's so much emphasis on growing and learning, which I do think is important But I think particularly, I'm going to say particularly among women writers, and maybe particularly among romance, you know, because we're always treated as if what we're doing is an intermediate step. Uh, We're forever being asked, when are you going to write a real book? As if we are still practicing. And... I think that there is a, I don't know, maybe a built-in lack of confidence in one's own process that comes with being part of a world like that, that we just don't give ourselves credit for knowing what we're doing. But I think once you learn what your process is and own it and continue to refine it, it's really up to you to continue to refine it. You know what you're doing better than anybody else does, and you really have to protect it from other people because people will, I don't, you know, chip away at it. They'll they'll take hammers to it. So, so I I don't think I'm near. I'm just cringing at what it would be like if I tried to dictate a book. Also, I don't know that it would flow. Maybe I could teach myself if I had to, but I'm not going to do it unless and until I have to. But still, it was interesting to realize how many words that came out to uh, from a single podcast podcast. I also don't think that I explained the idea as well as I thought I had, or as well as I would if I wrote it out. So I'm not sure I gained much from doing that translation. But I'll be interested to see if there's any comments on it, or what you all think. I'll probably just write it up again. Or write it up in truth. And let's see, what was the other thing? Oh, so then the other thing I've been doing for prep, as i had been threatening... Uh, Because it was hot this weekend, I was able to do gardening in the mornings, which was nice. But then in the afternoon, we turned on the air conditioning, which we're lucky to have. And I did those sewing projects. And so I did the thing with my favorite sundresses. So there's actually a story behind these sundresses. Because I remember when I bought the first one. Uh, Maybe not the exact year. Now I'm trying to think of when that was. I, it was probably 15 or 20 years ago. Um, I, yeah. I think it was before 9-11 because I had flown to Florida, and I was in Florida for work, and I had flown in the weekend before, like on Friday or Saturday because it was Florida, and I was staying at a beach hotel by myself for the weekend. I'm going to say that this might have been 99, 2000, somewhere in there. And I saw this little black cotton sundress or probably rayon sundress at the beach gift shop. And it was just, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, that's, it was like my perfect dress, the perfect length and weight and style. It's exactly the kind of thing I like to wear. And I bought it and I wore it to death (laughs) And to the point where I was really starting to be sorry that it was wearing thin. So, you know, I looked at the label to see where I could buy more. And I figured out that these were made by a company called Harry Dairy. And from uh, Bali. And they make all kinds of beachwear. And they had all of these different rayon uh, batik cloth samples, and you could choose your style of dress, you know, and basically they had like four styles of dresses, and mine was the short one with the straps, and you could pick all the different materials you wanted. I'm wearing one of them right now, and I ordered probably a dozen of these dresses in different materials, including another black one. So, I actually have two black ones. I still have that original one, too, but, I'll, you know, as the universe proceeds towards entropy, right? And so they start to get holes in them. One of them I got bleach all over because I was stupidly wore it when I was cleaning house. So now it's my house cleaning sundress. Um, some have rips at the seams. I could do I've done some repairing. But I finally, I was like, okay, if I know I love this dress enough that I've like worn them out over the years because also the fabric is just wearing thin. You know how over time after repeated washings, the fabric just starts to lose its fiber and it becomes semi-transparent, which is probably defeating the purpose of wearing clothing. So I tried to contact Harry Dairy, but they're selling through a retailer and it's more expensive and... I don't think I can just go straight to them and pick my fabrics anymore. So, what I did, I did something I haven't done before. I deconstructed one of the dresses, and I did that this weekend. And I made a pattern from it, and I had three different kinds of batik material. I realized I bought cotton batik reflexively, and these dresses are all rayon. So, I'll have to see, Um, but... I went ahead and made a dress from my least favorite, least expensive of the three fabrics. Although I still really like it, and and it turned out pretty well. Uh, the shape of the dress is great. I messed up the straps ever so slightly, um, but I could tear them out and redo them. Should I care? Should I wish to? Uh, there's a few other things that I could probably change about. Um, I, I should have used a lighter thread, for example. But otherwise, I think it turned out really great. I'm very pleased with it. It's It hangs more stiffly than the rayon does, which is why I might back off and see if I can find the rayon batik. But I also know that these dresses hang very soft and limp because I've been wearing them for 15 years or whatever, and that that one will... Lose some of its stiffness. I did wash the fabric before I sewed it, but and I think the other two fabrics are a little bit softer. So anyway, that was my sewing adventure. And while I was doing that, I finished listening to the Orchid Throne and started listening to the Fiery Crown, and I'm enjoying that very much. Um, I think Gabrielle Baker's doing a great job. I did get very accustomed to how Elizabeth Brook read the first book. By the end, uh, she might have gotten more in the groove too as she went along. but both were really fun to listen to and a good way for me to immerse in that world again. So so yeah, so now I am going to get to work. I'll remind you all that first cup of cop- coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you can find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media/podcasts. <laughs> Hummingbird coming to say hello. Yeah. Good morning. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye bye.